Thanks for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and follow at Church in the City. If you have a Bible, I'd invite you please to turn, if you can, to the book of John. John chapter 11 is where we're going to be teaching out of this morning. John chapter 11. Does God heal? Amen. I love the response. It's a question I get asked all the time. Um, It's a question that I get asked by those who are followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Some of you ask that question from a theological perspective when you are wrestling through the reality of does God heal miraculously? Does God heal supernaturally? It's a question that I'm asked by some of you from a pastoral perspective when you ask the question, will God heal me? I'm also asked that question by those who don't follow Jesus, as some people that I've interacted with wrestle through the kind of stark reality of our conviction that God is good, but yet they see suffering and hardship in the world. So however that question is asked, and whoever asks that question, my answer is always the same. It's an absolute and unwavering yes, God heals. God heals in a variety of different ways. To celebrate Star Wars, my first example of the way God heals is Star Wars, which starts on, on Thursday night. Just as in Star Wars, the, the Rebel Alliance, every time the Galactic Empire tries to invade, the Rebel Alliance rise up and they, and they head out. So each of us have white blood cells which rise up and, and, and seeks out any virus which invades our body. And the reason that that happens is because each of us are wonderfully and graciously and fearfully made by an almighty savior. And Ron, as a doctor, is squirming in his uh, seat thinking that I've just described white blood cells as the star, as the star lines. But uh, just bear with me, Ron. <laughs> Another way that God can heal is through the gifting and the wisdom that rests upon medical professionals. That was the case with me. I, I, I was, when I was young, diagnosed with a very aggressive childhood cancer. And one of the main reasons that I was able to survive that was because of God's grace and God's goodness and God's wisdom upon medical professionals and the advancement in medical science. Both of those, both of those first two examples are examples of the goodness and the power and the grace and the mercy of our wonderful Lord, Lord and Savior. There is a third way, though, a third way where the God of eternity breaks into the here and now, and in ways that we can't explain or that can't be kind of thought through using medical science, God heals in ways that we call miracles. Many of us sitting here have either experienced that ourselves or we have seen people miraculously healed. And I have too. One of the most dramatic moments I remember so clearly was a few weeks after I had received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I went on a, on a missions trip into a poor parts of South Africa, and I remember a woman came up to me with a, with a thyroid gland that was swollen to the size of a baseball, and I did not know what to do other than just to simply say, Jesus, would you heal her? And right before my eyes, that baseball-sized lump shrunk and disappeared. God heals miraculously. But there is a final way, a dramatic way, when the trumpet sounds and when Jesus returns finally once and for all. The Bible teaches that every dead person will be raised in Jesus Christ, and those of us who are in Christ will receive bodies, physical bodies that are incorruptible and imperishable. And every sickness and every disease, including death, will finally be defeated. 
God heals in a variety of ways all the time. God declares unambiguously in Exodus chapter 15, I am the Lord who heals you. In Isaiah chapter 53, as he is describing the incredible breadth of the gospel, Isaiah includes healing in that description. He says, Jesus was pierced for our our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment on him brought us peace. And by his wounds, by the wounds of Jesus on the cross, we are healed. But the Bible teaches that it's far more than just physical healing that God does in our lives. Or, or, yeah, it's, it's far more than just physical healing. He promises in Isaiah 61 to bind up the brokenhearted, to provide freedom for the captives, to release the prisoners from darkness, and to comfort all who mourn. In Psalm 68, he promises to place the lonely into families. In Isaiah 58, he says that he will loose the chains of injustice. And in 2 Chronicles 7, to forgive our sin and heal our land when we humble ourselves and when we pray. Does God heal? Absolutely. But I think if we were honest, every single person here, whether you are a Christ follower or not, every single one of us here would desire to see miraculous healing more and more. I'm convinced of that. Two reasons. Number one, it is absolutely amazing for the person who is being healed to be miraculously healed because they no longer are struggling with the disease or sickness. But secondly, whether you are a Christ follower or not, every one of us would agree that when we see miraculous healing, it helps us believe and trust God more and more. And so what I want to do today, part in response to Ken Grenfell's ministry last week, and part as this is the final installment of six individual sermons that we've preached throughout the year on truths that are important to church in the city, I want to speak today about supernatural healing. Why does God heal? When does God heal? Through whom does God heal? And how does God heal? And then at the end, we're going to pray for sick people to be healed. Amen? Amen. All right, so John chapter 11 is the passage that we're going to look at this morning. John chapter 11 is probably one of the most profound examples or the profound accounts of healing that we find in all of Scripture, this incredible moment where Jesus supernaturally heals Lazarus. And we're going to read chunks of this passage and make a few comments along the way, so follow along with me. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. 
the disciples were perhaps not the sharpest tools in the shed. Jesus, sorry, that doesn't, it's not included in the text. That's my addition. Um, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Why does God heal? We're going to look very quickly, firstly, at three reasons from this text as to why God heals. Number one, he heals for the sake of his glory. In verse four, it makes it very clear. Jesus hears the news that Lazarus has died. And he says in verse, uh, verse four, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And without ruining the end of the story, Lazarus, Lazarus is actually raised from the dead. We'll get to this. Sorry if you didn't know the story. But in verse 40, right at the end, Jesus says exactly the same thing. In verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? One of the reasons why God heals is for his glory. But he also heals, secondly, because he loves people. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. But what is most intriguing is verse 6. If you've got a, a Bible in front of you, look down at verse 6. It's, verse 5 tells us that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But then verse 6 tells us, yet Jesus waited. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. That's an incredibly surprising verse because we would all, all, all think that if Jesus loved Lazarus, he would immediately rush to go and heal him. But that's not what happened here. And I suspect that what the Holy Spirit is trying to do through John as he writes this account is remind us that whether Jesus is loving and Jesus is present and Jesus is involved in our lives through healing and breakthrough, or when healing and breakthrough is not evident. I think there's a, a sense or a culture in the church today where we need to be very careful how we speak about breakthrough, or how we speak about healing, or how we speak about freedom. We all want to see breakthrough and healing and freedom, but sometimes the way we think about it and the way we talk about it can, can, can give us the sense that, that when I'm struggling with sickness or when I'm not seeing breakthrough, God is absent. And our prayers is to ask God to come and be involved in our lives to bring healing and breakthrough. And I want to say, friends, that's not what the scriptures teach. God is as present and God is as involved in our lives and God is as loving whether we see healing or don't or whether we see breakthrough or we don't. The third reason why God heals is he heals in order to increase or to build our faith. And this is true whether you believe in Jesus or not. God wants us all to grow in our faith and in our trust of him. Verse 15, Jesus says, for your sake, I am glad that I was not here. I'm glad that I didn't come right away. I want, to, I want you to see what I'm about to do. Why? Verse 15 says, so that you may believe. Jesus wants us to learn to trust him. And friends, we've spoken about this, this desire that God has for us to, to put our faith in him. A, a faith and trust in God comes from that, that knowledge of God, that experience of God. We, we know God, therefore we love God. And because we love God, we're able to trust God. 
God desires for our faith to grow. God desires for our faith to to increase. Jesus heals for the sake of his glory. Jesus heals because he loves people. Jesus heals because he wants our faith to grow. And I wanna encourage us all to, to treasure those motives in our own hearts. I think if I'm honest, and maybe if you're honest, perhaps sometimes when we pray for the sick, God's motives aren't always our motives when we pray for the sick. If I'm honest, over the years, there have been a few moments where I've wanted God to heal to save me from embarrassment. Lord, please, as I pray for the sick person, don't leave me vulnerable and this person not healed. Sometimes it's out of a sense of obligation. Sometimes it's out of a sense of self-promotion. Look at what I can do. I want, I want people to see what I'm able to do. But I want to encourage us. Let's, let's treasure these motives that Jesus has. That Jesus heals because of the glory of God. Jesus heals because he loves people. Jesus heals because he wants to build our faith. And if I suspect if we hold on to those motives, we will see more people healed. And even if we don't see more people healed, we'll be more like Jesus as we live and minister according to his word. When does God heal? The story carries on in verse 16. Let's read together. When does God heal? Then Thomas called Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, this is such an encouraging word from Thomas, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas was a great guy to have if you're feeling discouraged and down. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. We're going to ask and answer the question now, when does God heal? And this, this statement might shock you, but the statement is true. Every single Christian, whether you believe in supernatural healing or not, or your definition of supernatural healing, every single Christian, irrespective of your theological convictions, believes that Jesus will ultimately heal everyone when he returns. Therefore, every single Christian, irrespective of your theological convictions, actually believes in supernatural healing. It is a truth that has been passed down since the birth of the church, written in the creeds. I believe in the resurrection of the body and life eternal. We all believe that Jesus one day is going to heal absolutely every single person. And this conviction was not just a Christian conviction, it's a Jewish conviction true, also Mary, uh, it's Martha in verse 24 says, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. So the question for Martha wasn't if Jesus would heal Lazarus. It was a question of when Jesus would heal Lazarus. She was saying, Jesus, I know that you're gonna heal him then, but I'm asking that you would heal him now. And I would say, I would argue that every single time, every single answer to a question that we offer to the Lord about, about healing, his answer is always yes. God's answer to every question about healing is always yes. Never no. 
It might be, yes, I'm going to heal him right now. It might be, yes, I'm going to heal him in a few days. Or it might be, yes, I'm going to heal him when I return finally. But Jesus' answer to healing is always yes. And friends, that should give us such incredible hope as we pray. Without this truth, sometimes we find ourselves praying, well, Lord, this person's such a good person and, and they read their Bible every day and they, they tithe faithfully and they're struggling with the sickness. So, Lord, if it is your will, would you, would you heal them? Rather, we can say, God, I know it is your will to heal. I know that you will heal one day when you return. But I'm asking that you would heal now in Jesus' name. You see, friends, the conviction, I believe the conviction we should carry is it is always God's will to heal. We're just asking for the not yet to be manifest in the now. And that's exactly how Jesus taught us to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, your kingdom come, your reign and rule come. What is not yet, but what is, what is in heaven, what is not yet here on earth, but in heaven, you are asking us to pray for that will to be manifest here on earth. When does God heal? God heals when Jesus returns. God heals, and we're asking for the then to be brought into the now. Why does God heal? When does God heal? Thirdly, through whom does God heal? We don't have time to read all of this uh, particular text, but I want to just focus on verse 25 through 27. Jesus replies to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Through whom does God heal? God heals very clearly, we see in this passage. God heals through his Son, Jesus. Throughout chapter 11 of of John's gospel, Jesus is referred to in different ways. He's referred to as the resurrection and the life. He's referred to as the Christ or the Messiah. He's referred to as the Son of God, the teacher of God's truth. The one who is outraged by death while being deeply moved for those who've been affected by it. I want you to glance very quickly at verse 33. I don't think I put it up on the screen behind me, but if you've got a Bible in front of you, glance down at verse 33 because this truth of Jesus being outraged by death is sometimes lost in the English translation that we have before us. Verse 33 says, when Jesus saw Mary weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And we can sometimes read that and say, well, Jesus is doing what what all of us would do. He is showing compassion and empathy for the family that are affected by death. And yes, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. But he was doing something far more significant than that. That word deeply troubled actually means to to be indignant, to be enraged. It's actually the word that is used to describe a horse about to go into battle. The snorting and the kind of roaring of a horse about to go into battle. The point is this. Jesus is not only sad and carrying compassion like we are when sickness comes upon a person. But Jesus rises up with an indignance and a a holy anger determined to do something about it. This same Jesus through whom God heals is the same Son of God that ascended into heaven and poured out His Spirit upon His body. 
And the Bible teaches wherever two or more or tens or hundreds or thousands of people are gathered on Sundays just like this or in, in small groups throughout the week or in coffee shops or in your friend's home or with your family or at places of work, the Bible teaches that, that God is present through the Holy Spirit and loves to do extraordinary things in great power. The point is this, friends, God heals through his son, Jesus, and we are the body of Jesus. We are his people, the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, the church, called to continue the works that Jesus started here on earth. Lastly, how does God heal? Let's continue in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with stones laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said, this for, I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he, said this, Jesus, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. How does God heal? God heals firstly in response to faith. Look at verse 40. Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And can I just say, this is such a loaded statement. Whenever we say, well, God heals in response to faith, I guarantee there's a number of you automatically whose hearts are like, oh oh my goodness, what is he about to say? There is unhelpful teaching, friends. There is unhelpful teaching in the church at large which equates a a, a direct response, a one-on-one response. Faith equals healing. And it is not like that. The Bible does not teach that. If that was the case, my answer to this situation would be, how could Lazarus have faith? He was dead. It was not possible for Lazarus to have faith because he was dead. And so, yes, we can't say there's a direct one-to-one correlation between if you have faith, you are guaranteed to be healed, that you are guaranteed to be healed. But the Bible does allude to the fact that faith in some way is involved, even if it's the faith the size of a mustard seed, or even if it's the faith that is so small that you cry out to God, God, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. That kind of faith, God is able to work with. God heals, the Bible teaches, in response to faith. How does God heal? Secondly, he heals in response to prayer. Jesus lifts his voice in verse 41 and 42, and he says, Father, thank you that you have heard me. I love that. The assurance that Jesus had that the Father heard his prayer. When we remember, friends, our position in Jesus, when we remember where we are praying from, praying from the Father's right hand because of our position in Jesus, 
When we remember the the perspective that Jesus wants us to have, the perspective that he has on every situation. And can I say, the perspective that Jesus has on every situation always involves hope. Jesus always has the perspective of hope. There is not one situation that is beyond his reach. There is not one person that is too far for him to save. When we remember our position and we look at the situation from Jesus' perspective and when we pray in Jesus' name, God the Father hears our prayers and he answers. Don't ever pray in your name. Don't ever pray on the back of your achievements. Don't ever pray on the success of yesterday. If you saw somebody healed yesterday, don't pray on the success of that. Always pray on the name of Jesus. That's how the Father hears us. That's what gives us access into the presence of the Father. How does God heal? Thirdly, he heals through a word. Look at verse 43. Jesus cries out, Lazarus, come out. The word of God that is declared in faith, in obedience to the Father's will, will bring about God's plan and purpose. The word of God that is declared in faith and obedience to the God's will, will always bring about God's purpose. But can I say, friends, don't read this and say, well, this is the formula for healing. I need to declare healing in Jesus' name, and that's the guaranteed formula. There is no formula for healing. I know that that sounds disappointing because we live in a world that says, just give me the three steps. Give me, the four, give me the four things to do. That, just, just show me what I need to do and I'll do it. And I'm, and, and, no, that's not how this works. This is about relationship. If you want a formula for healing, here's my formula for healing. Father, what are you doing? And what do you want me to do in Jesus' name? If you want a formula for healing, that's a good formula. Father, what are you doing? What are you uniquely doing in this situation? And what do you want me to do in Jesus' name? How does God heal? Heals. How does God heal? He heals, lastly, through loving action that follows prayer. He heals through loving action that follows prayer. See, friends, healing isn't actually the ultimate goal. Healing isn't the ultimate goal. God, God is more concerned about the person than he is about the miracle. God is more concerned about seeing that person come into the fullness of who he or she can be in Christ rather than just to receive a physical healing as valuable and as important as that is. God wants us to celebrate the miracle, but ultimately to see that person come into complete wholeness in who they are. And that's what happens here. I love the fact that Jesus says in verse 44, he tells his disciples, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Imagine if Lazarus got healed, raised from the dead, and he comes out of the grave, wrapped in in, in grave clothes, and no one takes the time to help him come out from underneath those grave clothes. What kind of freedom is that? What kind of wholeness is that? It's incomplete. Yes, celebrate the miracle. Yes, testify about the miracle. But take the responsibility and the privilege to walk alongside people to see them come into the wholeness of who God wants them to be. And that's the essence of Ken's ministry last week. And I want to just touch on one or two things around that because for the last three or four weeks, I've been reading the book of Colossians. And I I literally for for three weeks haven't left Colossians chapter one or chapter two. Reading and rereading about the reality of what it means to, to come into the wholeness and the fullness of who we are in Jesus. 
Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, don't turn there, it'll be on the screen behind me, says this. We proclaim him. We preach Jesus. We, we proclaim the gospel. We tell people about the wonderful truth of what it means to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We, we proclaim Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? Why? So that we may present everyone mature and whole and complete and perfect in Christ. That's the gospel, friends. That's the gospel. The gospel is, is everyone coming to maturity in Jesus. And Paul is saying each of us have that opportunity, that privilege to, to preach the gospel so that we can present everyone mature in Jesus. And then in verse 29, he says, to this end, to this goal, I labor with all, I labor struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works within me. This idea of being presented before God as complete and whole is something that Paul touches on in a few verses before that. In verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1, he says something similar. And this is the verse that literally has, has undone me these last few weeks. Jonathan Goldthwait, where are you? This one's for you, my friend. Once you were alienated from God, it's not just for Jonathan, it's for everyone in the room. It's for everyone in our city and everyone in the nations. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil, evil behavior. Friends, that's who we were before we knew Jesus. Alienated from God, separated from him. No way to find complete wholeness in the, in the one who, who has come to save us. But now, now, he has reconciled you. He has made peace with you, Romans chapter 6 says. We are at peace with God. Why? Because he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Our faith is placed in Jesus' death on the cross. We are reconciled with the Father by Christ's physical body through death to present. There's that word again. To present you. I want you to give me a moment. I'm, I'm going to take some poetic license, but just, just, just go with me. Imagine you're, you're, you're arriving at a royal ball. I've never done this. I've only seen it on movies. I've never actually personally experienced this. But when you arrive at a royal ball dressed beautifully, you have your invitation card. And there is a gentleman at the door with a staff dressed in a kind of frilly outfit. And uh, his title is the Herald of Arms. And what his function is to do is to present you to the hosts of the party. So as you arrive at the party, he takes your credentials and he says, Mr. and Mrs. James and Jesse Lusk, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And everyone pauses for a moment and they walk in. If you've seen The Knight's Tale, have you seen that, that great movie, The Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger in this movie has a, there's a character, character I can't remember who plays it, but the, 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 the character is, is Jeffrey Chaucer. And he is hired to be the herald of arms for Heath Ledger's particular character. And there's this one scene where um, Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein, this knight, this fictitious knight, is about to ride into the jousting ring, as it were. And Jeffrey Chaucer stands up and he says, he presents him, he goes, my lords, my ladies, and everyone else here not sitting on a cushion. Today, today you find yourself equals, for you are all equally blessed. For I have the pride 
the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing you, and in, introducing you to a knight sired by knights, a knight who can trace his lineage back beyond Charlemagne. And then he goes on and he says, Sir Ulrich von Liechtenstein. Now, I know this is a little bit funny and humorous, but this is the point that I'm trying to make. That, that, that we are presented before the Father because of who we are in Jesus. How are we presented? It says in verse, in verse 22, holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. So let's put this all together. Every day, every moment of every day, when we have access into the presence of the Father in the courts of heaven, I want you to picture right now the courts of heaven with the Father and, and the Son seated on the throne and the passageway lined with angels with trumpets and heavenly creatures circling the throne and that great multitude of witnesses packing into the courtroom of heaven and the herald of arms, if there is such a thing in heaven, I trust there is, an angel whose responsibility it is to present us before the Father. And Jonathan Goldthwaite walks in and the herald of arms stands there and he, and he beats his staff and there's silence. And the herald of arms says, Father, I present before you Jonathan Goldthwait. He is holy in your sight. He is without blemish and he is free from accusation. And the trumpets resound and Jonathan walks down that hallway with his head held high knowing that his position in Christ is assured not because of anything he has done but because of who he is in Christ. That's the wholeness God wants us to walk into, friends. That's how God wants us to view ourselves not because there's anything virtuous or righteous in us but because of who we are in Jesus. But then Paul goes on to say, verse 23, if you continue in your faith. And man, I struggled with that verse for so long. Because it sounds like what Paul is saying is that is all true if you believe. And that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that is all true whether you believe it or not. The sky is blue whether you believe it or not. The experience of the sky is blue is our response to that fact. And that's what Paul is saying here, friends. The reality of who you are in Christ is true. It's a fact. But we experience that truth when we continue in our faith. The faith allows us not for that fact to happen, but for that fact to be experienced in our hearts. And so that's why Jesus says, he says, take off the grave clothes. I want Lazarus not just to be healed, but to be set free to be released, to be let go so that he can walk into the fullness of who he is. Why does God heal? He heals for his glory because he loves people and he wants to grow our faith. Let that be our motivation when we pray for people. When does God heal? God heals everyone then, but we're asking for God to heal now. Let that be our prayer. Through whom does God heal? God heals through his son, Jesus, and through the body of Jesus, the local church. Let Jesus be the one we look to when we ask for healing. And how does God heal? He heals in response to faith as we pray, as we declare his word, and through loving action. Let's follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. Pray, pray, pray for the sick. Pray for the sick. This is not a, 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 
an opportunity that rests on a few people. It is an opportunity for every single person in Christ to be able to do this very thing, to pray for the sick. Start where you are. Start in your home. Start at your places of work. Pray for the sick. Believe and trust God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Love his people and persevere. Persevere. Don't give up. Aiden, do you want to come up and, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, playing a little bit of music? I want us to, to land this by having, having an opportunity for us to do exactly what we have taught this morning, and that is to pray for the sick. In a few moments, I'm going to invite a few people to come up and join me, and we are going to be praying for those of you who are sick. There are three groups, groups of people that I'm going to be asking for you to respond to this morning's sermon. Number one, if you are sick in absolutely any way, in any way, big or small, if you are sick in any way, we want to trust, we want to stand with you and look to Jesus and pray with you to trust that you would be miraculously healed today. So in a few moments, once we get the team of, of people up here, I'm going to invite you, if you are sick in any way, big or small, something that, that is overwhelming, something that's as, as small as a sniffle, we want to trust for God to miraculously heal you today. The second group of people I want to invite up are people who feel like they are still covered in grave clothes. If you feel that there are things that are holding you back, things that are preventing you from walking into the destiny that you know God has for you, the things that are holding you back from understanding the by faith, the reality of what I described, you being presented as holy and without blemish and free from accusation before the Father. If that is, if that is a concept that is too much for you to grasp, there are grave clothes that we by faith want to help remove so that you can walk into your destiny. The third group of people that I want to pray for today is if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you are seated here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not know what it means to be in relationship with God, I've, I trust that what I've shown you today is that, is that relationship with God doesn't come through our efforts. It doesn't come through us cleaning ourselves up or making ourselves right. It comes by simply taking the faith that we put in other things and saying, God, I want to trust you. I want to trust what your son did on the cross. I don't understand it all. I don't fully comprehend it, but I know that you are calling me into relationship with you. And I want to do that by responding and having someone pray for me. If that's you today, I'm gonna to invite you to come up with everyone else and have one of the friends that are up here to, to pray with you and to lead you in a prayer where you can say, Jesus, would you come into my heart and set me free that I might be in relationship with you. So very quickly, I'm gonna ask the elders and wives, if you guys wouldn't mind just coming down real quick, just come stand up front here. Gary, if you wouldn't come. Candice as well. Um, who else? Uh, John Cox and Mike Nelson, if you guys would come down. These are just a few people that I've just felt in God to ask this morning. This, this is not a select group of people. This is not people who have a, 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 anything special other than just a passion to see people healed and set free. The book of James, James chapter 5, tells us. Can you guys spread out a little bit here? Just if you guys wouldn't mind. Thanks. James has put deodorant on. He's fine. James chapter 5 tells us this. Simply, James chapter 5 says, If any of you are sick, then come to the elders and let them anoint you with oil so that you may be healed. And that's why I've asked the elders and wives, those of us who are here, to be up front and to pray. And then the, the, I've invited a few others just because God laid it on my heart. These are men and women who have a passion to see people healed and have seen people healed, as have many of you. And I'm not, I'm not elevating them above anyone. I just felt in God to invite them to come up as well.
And so we're going to bring this meeting into a close. I'm going to pray. We're going to close the meeting. And then I'm going to ask you, if you are sick in any way, please will you come down and let's trust together that God would heal you. If you have grave clothes erect around your heart, around your mind, around your emotions, if there are things holding you back from walking into the destiny you know God has for you, please come down and let's have people pray with you. Or if you are here today and you want to say, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, would you come down and let's pray for you and introduce you to Jesus Christ. So let's pray together and then we'll close. Father, thank you so much for the power and the truth of your word. Thank you, Father God, that you have shown us so clearly today that you are the God who heals. We are convinced of that. We are sure of that. We are certain of that. And today, Lord God, we want to ask, as much as we are convinced that you will heal then, we want to ask, Father, that you would heal today as people respond in faith. We want to pray, Father God, for backs to be healed. We want to pray for cancer to be gone. We want to pray, Lord God, for 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 uh, power to be your power to be on display for creative miracles to happen today lord god for every headache for every anxiety for every broken heart to be healed in the name of jesus we want to pray father god that grave clothes would be ripped off today ripped off today broken never to be on us again for every anxious heart to be set free for every Lord, every, every mind that is, that is tormented for the peace of God to come. Where identity and worthiness and dignity is, is, is clouded, I pray, Father, for clarity this morning. Let it be a work of your Spirit. Not convincing ourselves, not working ourselves up, but trusting in the power of your presence. And we want to pray, Father, for, your, for the lost to be saved today. For those who do not know you, to come to know you as Lord and Savior. Jesus, would you move in power as we enjoy your presence, as we minister, even now, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would move upon our hearts. Let your peace come, Lord. May your mercy fall upon us. Your goodness, your anointing. We love your presence, Lord. We love your presence. Thanks again for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and visit us at churchinthecity.us.